Um, open your Bibles, Colossians 3.12. We're going to continue to go through this, um, this book, um, and this letter to the early church, which was for them, but also for now. Um, so when we look at Scripture, um, we believe that uh, this was inspired by the Lord. And what I mean by that, I don't believe Paul was this robot that was just like, you know, it, he, was, he was human and he was hearing from the Lord. But in such a divine way, um, the early followers of Jesus Christ, like this, this is scripture. And so we want to we listen to this and we want to we hear this. Um, the last couple weeks, we've went through this a little bit slower of a process as, as Paul was talking to the Colossian church and to us um, about the things that we need to get rid of. Uh, in the scripture, we would call these, we call this sin. The things that miss God's mark for us, and now it's a little bit more of the easier stuff, which is which is good. Uh, the things that we want to put on, the things we want to walk in, and so read this with me. It's, again, it's Colossians three twelve. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Let us pray, uh, Father, Lord. You. See, Speak to us about the things we need to get rid of, that we need to let go of. These are the things that you start to tell us that we need to hold on to, that we actually need to put on. And so, God, we pray that um, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of your word that we would be transformed into your likeness, that we would choose to submit to your great working in us. Um, God, sift through our emotions and our pride and our arrogance and our anger to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we're going through this, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to mainly today uh, speak on compassion and kindness. And, you know, with the election coming up and, you know, Tuesday, they're going to probably even take half of this room and, you know, no matter who gets it, some are going to be real excited for that candidate, some are going to be really unhappy. And what I encourage you to do that, you know, um, my heart is for the kingdom of God, no matter who's elected. Um, you know, I, I'm still going to be looking to Jesus and be just as hopeful no matter who is elected. But I would, I would hope that what you as believers could do is to be compassionate and kind no matter what. Because our citizenship is with King Jesus. So I think it's, it's awesome how the Lord has kind of put this together now that uh, as we're going through this, we're going to talk about being compassionate and being kind. And so compassion starts in the heart, and when your heart is right, it will lead to the action of kindness. And Paul says, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly love, put on some clothes. And we're all glad that we put on some clothes today, right? All right it didn't just happen. You had to choose to put on clothes. And I know some guys in here and, and, and some girls in here, like you really put a lot of thought into what you're going to wear. We as believers, we would do the same thing. And I'm talking about fashion. I'm talking about gifts of the Holy Spirit. That we would say, Lord, man, I, I want to put on compassion. I want to go into that closet and put on compassion. How do you know you, you, that you have a compassionate heart? You have kindness. It's an action. One is a heart thing. One is a verb. Kindness is a verb. And would we just overflow in it? I want us to look at Matthew 1, 18 through 19. This is usually a passage that we'd speak through at Christmas time. Um, and it's in the birth of Jesus. And it says in Matthew 1, verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His, uh, 
Mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be a child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. And he had in his mind to divorce her quietly. So what's happening here is, is Joseph, just like you would think, um, his wife-to-be is pregnant, pregnant, and they had not been together yet as a man and wife. And so he thinks what I would think and what you would think. He thinks that she cheated on him. He doesn't understand that this is the Messiah that's in her womb, that, that this was a virgin birth conceived through the Holy Spirit, which I truly believe that. But Joseph doesn't know that yet because God hasn't revealed that to him. But because he was a righteous man, which means he had compassion for the person that he thought cheated on him, is like, you know what, I'm going to do this quietly so she's not disgraced or maybe even stoned. And all in his mind right now, she's, she's wronged him. She's cheated on him. And think about what he's about ready to take on. He's going to be dad, earthly dad to Jesus the Messiah. Right? And it's important for him, before he gets that revelation, before he gets that understanding, how important it is that he has a soft heart. So how do you treat those that have hurt you? It's a tough one. How do you treat them? Scripture speaks to it in many ways. Old and New Testament. How you would treat those that have hurt you. Do you enjoy their pain? Right. Do you make them, you know, I think one of, the, one of the most important things that we walk in as believers that, that is powerful is that we walk in forgiveness. Right? And there's a restoration process in forgiveness. So you wrong me, as a believer, I know, and believers do this all the time, like they know they're supposed to forgive you. So they say the words... But there's forgiveness that leads to restoration. Restoration, there's a process where now they're restored in rightness with you. For believers, it's maturity. When there is restoration with you and me, like, you know, you hurt me, you stole from me, you lied to me, you cheated on me, whatever. Right? As a believer, I know, okay, well, if you confess and you say, hey, man, I wronged you, then I forgive you. But then there's a process of restoration. What the world does is I'm going to keep having you pay for something that's already been forgiven. That's how the world looks at things. And if we don't walk in compassion and kindness, we won't be able to tell the difference. A lot of times you look at your relationships, right, these things just keep going in cycle and keep going in cycle. I believe restoration is important. Forgiveness leads to restoration. There's a process. But too many times, there's, man, you're just going to keep paying for what you did. How do you deal with those that have hurt you? I think it's important that we look at the heart of God and his characteristics because God walks in love and he, works, he walks in compassion. That's who he is. Psalms 86.15, But you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. He's slow to anger and he's abounding in love. And I think it's important as so we look at the cross, we, again, we see his sovereignty, his judgment on full display, but also his mercy and grace, which means God doesn't stop being merciful at the same time he is, he is passing down on judgment. It's something that's hard for us to understand in our humanness, but it's something that we continually wrestle with and as believers that we talk about. Because God is full of compassion. We see in Mark 1, 40-41, where Jesus does something in compassion. It says, A man with leprosy came to him, and he begged him on his knees, If you are willing, can you make me clean? Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand, and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Now, Jesus could have done this without any compassion. 
But scripture wants us, it's important. It's like he wants you to know he did this full of emotion and love for this man. The Lord is full of compassion. He's slow to anger and he's abounding in love, even in the things that we don't understand. And if you don't put on compassion and kindness, I'm talking about put it on. And this comes from the Holy Spirit. It's a choice that you begin to see a God that doesn't walk that way either. We forget in God's sovereignty and his judgment, he is full of compassion. He is not void of what you're going through. If you're going through a difficult thing, he's not void of it. He's not, he's not far from it. He's close. Sometimes we can feel like God doesn't care. Well, we know through Scripture that, that he does. And hopefully through our experience and testimony, we know that he does as well. How we view God, how we view his character is important, and it affects how we treat people. 1 John 3.17 says this, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Think about that. You're driving and you're going to see see homeless people today. Maybe on the way here you saw homeless people. We have people that are homeless that attend to our church, right? And then there's different people of different just like financial wealth. The scripture explains this. If you, don't, if you don't have an even compassion, that pity, that compassion is the same word. If you don't have an under, like, it doesn't even make your heart skip a beat to the pain that someone else is going through, then how can the love of God be on you? It's a great question. We as believers, it's, it's that calloused heart that we have to really guard from. I see it with COVID-19 and the masks, whether people are pro-mask um, or against the masks. Right? Understanding for some, the mask, they feel like their liberty is being taken. For others, and I've known people in this church that they've lost a loved one. And when people are just flippant about the mask one way or the other, it really shows our lack of compassion for our brother and sister. And when we talk about this, and we've been talking about these type of things the last couple months, People will always say, and, and, and from different understandings, and I get it, like, what, about, what about standing for truth? What about those that are, you know, we need to be the light? And we do, right? The scripture, scripture talks to us. Be the light in darkness. Be the light in darkness. How you are the light in darkness, how you do it, how you go about it, it matters to God. Matthew 5.44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Scripture tells us it's easy to love the people you already love. Pray and love for those that do not like you and make it their mission to make you miserable and that disagree with you. Pray for them. And it puts a whole new meaning on prayer, right? When someone says, I'm praying for you. Like, oh, am I on that enemy list or am I on the, you know? Like, oh, hopefully I'm a friend. You can stand for truth and still have compassion and kindness would never stand up here to equip the the saints the believers and say just be just just be a pushover just just be passive about the love of god about rights no it would would, be wrong it'd be a sin but you can still do it in boldness and passion with compassion franklin d roosevelt said this human kindness has never weakened the stamina or softened the fiber of a free people a nation does not have to be cruel to be tough. Even on the things that I think are righteous, hey, we should do this. Am I cruel about it? It's something that I don't think that we, that we take in understanding enough. Like we serve Jesus, 
who is depicted as the lion, but also as the lamb. And, and the Jews rejected the lamb part because they wanted a lion. And sometimes we're the same way, right? And we have to wrestle with both sides of God, the lion side and the lamb side. And we forget the lamb. The lamb is what defeated sin at the cross. The characteristic of mercy and grace and compassion is strong, not weak. There's a reason why Satan wants you to have a hard heart and not have compassion for people. And I would say this, man, stop expecting and even being offended when unbelievers don't act like believers. It's one of the, that's one of the, or, and the other thing is believers that are just, they're immature, they're immature. They're, they're, not, they're not grown up yet. I don't get mad at my kids. I don't I get mad at my son for not being able to, you know, slam dunk a basketball. He's seven. <laughs> right? There's just no way humanly possible he could do it without a ladder. Right? I'm not mad at him for it. It doesn't mean we don't talk about things. So just stop acting like and being offended. And remember, the lost sheep are not your enemy. They're the mission. And that's something I need to be reminded of. Hardened hearts is the cost when we don't. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. It's a sermon on the mount. Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And there's a message within a message there. Right? I hear unbelievers especially, but now even young, maybe immature believers, and not young by their age, but young by their walk with Jesus Christ. I say, man, I just don't see God. And what happens is the hardening, the price you pay for a hardened heart that's not compassion, you begin to say, I don't even see God move anymore. Scripture says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And it's important that we give the Lord our hearts every day. Like, Lord, like, take this in form. I don't know about you, but every day that's a struggle for me. For my heart to either be a bleeding heart or a hardened heart. A bleeding heart. You might have friends that are bleeding hearts. They just tell you what you want to hear. They just say whatever just makes them look popular in your eyes. If you deal with people that are down and out and struggling, you realize a bleeding heart, it destroys people this, as much as a hardened heart. In college, I had teachers in my life, some that were hardened, some that had bleeding hearts, and some that had the love of Christ. At Evangel University, I had a, a teacher, Dr. Hechtman, that had the love of Jesus, and she was like a mama bear. Right? She's like, son, you're lazy, and that's why your grades are bad. <laughs> like, you can choose to do the right thing and be a Christian, actually work hard at this. It's a good thing's going to happen. I'm going to love you anyways, but you're better than what you're doing. I had one teacher that had a bleeding heart, not an evangel, the junior college before I went to evangel. And he simply let me do whatever I want. I was on the football team, and one of the things, you know, I had to take his PE class that I never showed up for once. Not even for the final. I slept through it. He still gave me a B plus. What did he show me? That bleeding heart. Do what you want when you want. It doesn't matter. You're an athlete. Just skate by it. I had another professor at that same college that didn't like me because I was an athlete and I thought I just owned the world. And what he would do is a little calloused, but I probably deserved it. He would oh, Ron Vandiver's not here today. Guess what? It's quiz day. Write your name on a piece of paper and hand it in. There's your 20 points. And he actually told me, I do this because I don't like you. 
right? Little callous. You're your teacher. I used to teach. You reach students. And when you stop having a love for students, you're not an effective teacher anymore. And it's easy to love the students that are easy to love, but the good teachers love the ones that are really hard to love. And so they must walk in compassion. As soon as you start, and I would see it as, as, as a teacher, teachers just not have compassion for kids. And then that compassion would lead to just unkindness towards children. A hardened heart, a bleeding heart. God wants you to walk in a righteous heart, full of his compassion and his righteousness that leads to kindness. I want us to look, as, as we're nearing end of this, in Luke 10, 25 to 37. And we're going to look at the Good Samaritan. We're going to dissect it a little bit. It's one of the greatest passages that Jesus gives us about walking in kindness. And he says in verse 25 of Luke 10, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. And this is where it really gets, like it hits home if you're this lawyer. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and he took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look at him, look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Verse 36, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. See, there was this, there was this conundrum that the lawyer was in. What the word of God said and what his practice was. And he was trying to justify the fact that the word of the law and his heart and his actions weren't adding up. Love God, love people. It's the equation of love for all believers. How do I love people? I love God. And I permeate in his presence and his word and his spirit. How do you love your kids? How do you love your spouse? How do you love your worst enemy? You know, marinate in the Lord. And then you can begin to know what it is to love people. When you don't love people well, Scripture points out, then you don't love God. Go back to the source. The world struggles with a bleeding heart that loves without loving God first. It does not bring the fruit and righteousness that it is to produce. Right? And especially young people, things we got to understand, like, man, as we go and do missions work, someone's soul matters more than anything. Love God, and he'll show you how to love people. You don't love people well, go back to loving God. It's the equation of love, and it's got an order. Who is my neighbor, he asks. Who is my neighbor? He's wanting to justify his actions. And Jesus takes us past that question and focuses our attention on the person that's not the neighbor, but they're the other side of the fence, the other side of the tracks. 
So the lawyer is really asking, as we study, he's really asking, who can I be mean to? I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. Really, who is my neighbor then? Because we all struggle with that. Man, it's, when I love you and you agree with me and we're just on track and it, man, it's just like things are clicking and it's just so easy. But when you don't is when this scripture really comes into play. He's asking, who can I be mean to? So Jesus gives them this, this teaching. You know, a priest and a Levite, they've been the rock stars of their time. They've been their holy people. And they go by this man who was hurt by robbers. And the priest goes on one side, the Levite goes on the other. They, they were the people, and honestly at this point, the lawyer's probably looking at this going, on. Oh, they've done the same thing. Is that wrestling. Priests don't touch unclean things. Some people believe he was probably like on the verge of death. They very easily could have looked for the loopholes of priests and said, I don't touch unclean things. Some believe the priest was even on his way to the synagogue. He had something special to do, important to do. He had a divine plan. He had, he had a divine appointment. There was a loophole reason. Until, and until you get to about verse 33, the lawyer's probably like, yeah, I would have left the guy too. But then comes in the unlikely hero, and it's the Samaritan. The Samaritan. And this gets his attention. He's like, oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. Oh, it's going back to love God and love your neighbor. Wait a minute, Jesus, you're it's starting to click. And this and the Samaritans, there was a there was a reason why they could find scripture to why they didn't like these people who claimed to know God but didn't follow God the way that they knew you should. And Jesus Jesus addresses this the woman at the well. Right? Where do we you know we worship here or you worship there? And Jesus says, oh, we know God. We know God. And there's this fight. That's where we get the spirit and truth from. In fact, in Luke 9.53, we see that the Samaritans weren't kind to Jesus either. It says in Luke 9.53, but the people there did not welcome him because he was headed for Jerusalem. Simply because he had a destination. They're like, oh, there's this prophet. Oh, go to Jerusalem. Oh, he's one of those guys. We don't talk to them. Jesus could have made them anything but the good guy. But he does it, and he does it for a reason. We want to understand, like, our compassion our thoughts, our actions, they, they line up. Our compassion and our kindness, they line up. You're not going to walk in kindness if you're not walking in compassion. And I believe that compassion only comes from the Lord. And what's crazy here, too, if you, you look at this, in verse 37, or 36, Jesus asks him, which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man? It's going back to, like, God commandment things. And the expert of the law, like, Jesus has him. This is the one who had mercy on him. He couldn't even say Samaritan. And theologians don't believe this was by accident. Isn't some of the things we struggle with? You can't see that person that you disagree with feeling God, seeing God, right? There's a price to pay when our hearts are not softened. I'm closing this, Proverbs 3, verses 3 through 4. Let Love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Love God, love people. And look at this verse. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Why? Because they can. Bind them around your neck. Put them close. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Why? According to Proverbs 3, because they can leave you. 
So it's why Paul's giving this analogy to the Colossians, like, put on these clothes. These clothes don't just happen. You've got to actually put them on. You've got to choose to open up the closet. You've got to choose to look through the wardrobe. What am I going to put on today? Ugliness? Despair? Meanness? Cold-hearted? I know everything? Or I'm going to put on, you know what, Lord? I'm going to put on compassion that will lead to Kindness. That the love and faithfulness never leave you because they can't. I've been there. You've been there. Right? Even as a believer, you're like, Where, how did I start to see people this way? How did people just become pawns where I just want to be right rather than be righteous? I just want to win the argument rather than be back in community. Right? It's an addiction. That you see people going through just difficult things and you love them based on their theology or who they vote for. And again, you can love well and be righteous and still be kind and compassionate. Jesus died on the cross as his own people were saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And he says to the Father, forgive him because they don't know what they're doing. And he teaches his apostles to walk in the same. Kindness is like a drop in the bucket that leads to an ocean of water. We've all been touched by kindness. We've all been touched by ugliness. May we walk because of the gospel in kindness. And I'll give this quick story and we'll close. Some in here will remember uh, the 80s. Um, Some of you weren't even born yet, so you'll just have to hear and believe. But in the 80s is when AIDS came out, right? When AIDS first came out, I was in elementary school, in 87, and I remember when it came out. And if you had AIDS, only certain people got AIDS, and you were afraid to even be in the same room with them. And this was on the news and everything. Kids that, kids that got it through transfusions were kicked out of school. Like you, I mean, worse than Pharisee. People so unnerved about this virus that it would cause death. They, they didn't know. Maybe it was a spit, spit. Was it a handshake? What? And then Princess Diana, doing what royalty people do, they go visit the hospitals, and the press is there, and they're taking pictures. And she meets a man who has AIDS, and everything tells you, do not have, you know, bubble, bubble wrap, bubble wrap. And she does this very simple thing of compassion that leads to kindness that even historians will say, man, well, once that happened, people started to look at AIDS differently. She takes off her royal white gloves, and she shakes the man's hands. And, you know, from now we look at it, well, yeah, of course you could. You're not going to get that from that. But that time, people didn't know. And in that moment, even historians will say, well, it changed the way that simple act of compassion and kindness, it changed the way people began to look at AIDS and how to treat people that had been conflicted or affected by that disease. A drop in a bucket that leads to an ocean of waves. God will use your compassion and kindness to do his work. The enemy will try to steal it every single day. Two questions as we close. Do you have compassion for your neighbor? Not your kumbaya brother that does all the things that you do, likes all the things that you do. They vote for who you'd vote for. Do you have love for your neighbor? And when Jesus asks about the Samaritan, that's the person that they hated. They celebrated the hate for that people group. How do you love your neighbor? Right? Do you have compassion for them? 
And it starts at that. It starts in the heart. The ugliest of ugly. <laughs> the people that disagree, that celebrate evil. Do you have a compassion for them? Because they're the mission of God. Right? God sits down and says, man, sent my son if they would just only choose that they would have life and have it abundantly. Do you have enough compassion that you'd send your son or daughter? Second one. Do you need to give and receive kindness? The reason why I say it that way, do you need to give and receive kindness? Because when compassion isn't there, and there's a hard heart, you won't even receive kindness, let alone give it. Every comment that's made to you, you'll turn compliments into insults. Been there, done it myself, seen it in others, right? Someone in a day and time, we struggle with this. Someone does something for you, and you're always looking for the false motive. What do they want? What do they need? What are they trying to get out of this? Right? You've been burned enough, you start to, you, right? Right? You've been burned enough, you start, you, you're like a kicked dog, and you're like ready to be like hurt. And the enemy's a thief. May he not still your compassion, which is a gift from God, to be full of hope and glory especially for the hopeless and then the dark world we live in. Do you need to give and receive kindness? It's a beautiful thing. As we close, there'll be people in the back that would love to pray with you. I believe this is something that we pray for and pray through, you know, to put on compassion, to walk in that. It's, a, it's an on-purpose thing. It's an on-purpose thing. And I am many times in the place, even as a pastor, that, Lord, man, I so want to be right. I so want to just show, you know, my wit or whatever, you know, like my declaration of love for you, that I lose my compassion. So it's fruitless. And I have to come to a place where I have to go to someone and pray. Pray with me because my heart needs changed. I don't want to walk around cold-hearted. And the two go together. If your heart's not right, your life won't be right. Walk in compassion. We're going to have people that would love to pray with you. We also have the elements of communion in the back. If you could stand with me, we're going to pray, and we're just going to worship our Lord. Father, Lord, God, um, thank you that we can worship you. Thank you that you had compassion, that you so love the world. Created in your image with the choice to follow you or not. And we chose not to, and you still had enough compassion and love to love us while we were still sinners. May we never forget that. And if you've forgiven us, you can forgive others that have wronged us as they choose Jesus too. And even in the process, until they have, they're still sinners. We're just like, you know what, we love you, we have compassion, we understand, we were there once too. And God, may we just walk in acts of kindness, bathed by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, change our hearts, that we would walk more like you. That we would be the man or woman in the story that had time for the one that was robbed. That we gave of our finances, that we gave our donkey. Father, when we were the hands and feet of the Lord, may we walk, may we be marked as those that believe and walk in the gospel. May we, may we be marked by those that walk in compassion and kindness because of the gospel. Because you first loved us. We were once lost, but now we're found. We were once aliens, but now we have a home. 
God, we love you and that your word never comes back void. In Jesus' name, amen.